Lord, we just thank you that you're always with us, inside of us, and we inside of you. Lord, thank you now for this, this season, this time where people look to you more than ever and wonder and are curious and help us be your words and your light for them as they look and ask questions about the Christ. I pray that the Spirit of God would just help us see beyond the veil more and more that we might live more in the unseen and enjoy what you have done. Lord, thank you for your nearness, for your love, for your peace, for your joy. Thank you for the reality that Christ is with us always, even until the end of the world. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Thank you for the love of God that is in us by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Awesome. Well, say a prayer for me. Um, I'm going to be sharing at the main meeting in the next few minutes. And I think I know what I'm going to share. It's going to be a short message because we're doing Javen and Brooks ordination this morning. And so, um, and so Clark asked me to bring the message about the Christmas message. And it's just so much you can say about the Christmas message. It's like, where do you start? You know, so I really appreciate your prayers to, um, that people will be encouraged and be blessed this morning. Cause I know a lot of people are going through a lot of difficult things, whether it's, you know, financial or physical or, you know, there's all, there's so many things out there in the world you shall have tribulation Jesus said but we can be of good cheer because he has overcome the world the reality of that so appreciate your love one, one Sunday I think I'm going to do the uh, that Daniel 70 weeks over again because it was it was so so rushed did you get you got some of the stuff that we went over it was, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, that that was a while back, though, right? Yeah, yeah, a long time ago. I got to do that again. So with the timeline and everything, and I'm gonna put that on the website so you can just click on it, and you can see the the timeline and everything of. Right, so you can just print it out and have it. Um, just an amazing prophecy: the seventy weeks of Daniel, the the prophecy of the of the finished work of Christ, that when, when Jesus would come, he would finish the transgression, make an end of sin, make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, fulfill all that the prophets have seen and spoken, and the most holy be anointed, meaning the most holy being Christ himself, anointed king and Lord of all. It's awesome. Yeah. Um. Hey, Rob. Hey, Rob. Rob one, Rob two. James? Yes? I just want to say real quick, you weren't here last Sunday. Thursday was the last Sunday with John Hattie's sonogram, and it's all healed. Awesome. That was like a heart function as it was after the heart attack seven years ago. So there was no damage, nothing, and everything. 
Oh, man, that's so awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. John, isn't that awesome, John? Oh, man, that's so awesome. Yes, that's a miracle. Awesome. Oh, that is so cool. That is so awesome. John, that's so awesome. Oh, really? That's cool. I know you guys bless a lot of people. You go up to what, Minnesota, Michigan, and all up in there. You look for the snow, huh? Awesome. Well, I tell you what, I'm, I think I'm going to share this morning is, if you don't mind, I'm going to share some of what I'm going to share out there. And because it's all, this is what's been in my head and in my heart about. Um, so I think one of the, you know, we talk about um, the spirit is given to renew our minds. And we know that that's a very important work of the Holy Spirit to renew our minds and how that's so key. But when we hear that phrase, renew our minds, what do, what do we think of? What do we think of when we think of the term renew our minds? Um, now, we know in Christ we are a new creation. We have a new heart. We actually have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So we're not trying to get his mind, but we are trying to think his thoughts. Because the brain, we're working through a brain. We're working through something of this creation. And the scripture says, who can know the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? So the Spirit of God that is in us can tell us what God is thinking or what God thinks or how he sees things, his perspective on things. And that's having the, the, the mind of Christ uh, in in an experiential way, because we have the mind now, but we work, we're working through these brains. We see in part, we prophesy in part, but in that day when we're released from these bodies, we shall know all things instantly, even as we are known. So the hindrance now is not God and not your evil heart, as you've been told as a believer, because you don't have an evil heart as a believer. You have a new heart. Um, you have everlasting righteousness, the very righteousness of God. That's not the problem. It's not sin. It's none of that because God took away sin. And this is awesome what he did. The problem is the body. It's the body. Because we see in part, we prophesy in part, we're trying to assimilate these thoughts through the brain. And, uh, and it's key to understand that because um, otherwise we'll look, we'll look for things that are not there and we'll miss what God is really trying to tell us. Okay. All right, now what is, what is the renewal of the mind? What is, what is, when we say the renewal of the mind, it's a, to me, the main work of the Spirit in renewing the mind is this thought right here. This is the thought I think the Spirit primarily wants to communicate to us. And it's not what we think. Now, usually it isn't what we think, right? <laughs> it's usually not. I mean, the natural man does not perceive the things of the Spirit. So the natural man will default to something that is totally off base, usually. Um, because the natural man doesn't see what God sees or how God sees things. Because his ways are as different from our ways in the natural as far as the heavens are above the earth. That's huge. So his ways are so different from our ways that 
Our natural thinking, our default thinking is usually wrong. There is a way that seems right to a man and the end thereof is death, not life. So we seem, it seems right to us, but it's, no, it's wrong. Uh, that tree of knowledge of good and evil looks very good. It looks like it's something good to be wise, Eve said, and it's alluring. It, that, why can't this tree be good? Nope, wrong. So we tend to go the wrong way naturally all the time because God's ways are so different from our ways. So the main, so, so what is this renewal of the mind? Okay, I believe the renewal of the mind, the main work of the Spirit of God, in, um, in working in us, not just, this is not the only thing, this is just one of the main things, is revealing to us that the way God works is that he doesn't give you and I things. He gives us his son. He makes the Son to be whatever you need, whatever I need. In other words, God doesn't give you righteousness. He gives you Christ. He puts you inside of Christ, and you're righteous because you're inside of Him. You see that? Paul says, Christ has been made unto me wisdom righteousness, sanctification, redemption. See, God's way is not to give you holiness or righteousness or peace. Ephesians says he himself is our peace. You see? God's way is not to give you these concepts, but to give you him. That's huge. That's a a switch in the mind. That's a switch in thinking that only the Spirit of God can renew our minds to. It's a whole different way of thinking. That's why you can, that's why the phrase in Christ and Christ in us is said hundreds of times because that's the key. It's not a matter of, of having things or concepts, it's not a matter of having grace as a concept. Be strong, my son, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see? And why does God do it this way? Because he, he wants relationship. He doesn't want people who are outside of him getting things or concepts like righteousness and grace and peace. He wants relationship. And, and not only does he want relationship, but he wants us to see that this way is the best way because it's a rest. It's all him. It's a complete rest. When he... That's why John said things that the apostle said, as he is, so are we in the world. In other words, whatever you see of Jesus, that's what, you, that's what I am because I'm inside of him. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Now, see, that, that is a switch in thinking. The natural man does not grasp the person of Christ as God's way. See, when they ask, how do we get to the Father? Lord, how do we get to the Father? He said, show us the way. Religion says the way is ten steps here, seven steps there. Jesus said, no, I am the way. Isn't that cool? See, in other words, he was saying, if you get inside of me, you're there. I'm the door. The way to the Father is in me. I am the way. I'm telling you, it's a huge 
switch in the mind. It changes the way you read the scripture. It changes everything. And what I'm trying to share out there this morning is the fact that the Jews had the scriptures. They knew where he was going to be born. They quoted the scripture from, from Micah. Oh, Bethlehem, though you be little among Judah, shall he come who shall rule all people. You know, they knew the scriptures. They could quote it. But the Magi saw the star. They saw the light. They saw the, uh, there was a revelation given to them that they followed. And they found him, Gentiles, who did not have the law, who did not have the law, found him. And those who had the law didn't even, I mean, think about this. These guys are the, from Persia, these, these uh philosophers and astronomers from the Gentiles, the Magi who come, um, they've been told probably through Daniel's prophecy, Daniel was there for years, that this was coming. The 70 weeks of Daniel, that's, that's what they had. They had the Daniel prophecy. They knew the, the, roughly the time of the birth of Christ from the Daniel prophecy. And so they looked for the stars, and sure enough, as Genesis says, the stars are put in the sky for signs and seasons, signs. So I'm not talking about astrology. I'm talking about astronomy. Astronomy is God's idea. Astrology is the enemy's idea of trying to make the stars, you know, guide your life and that kind of stuff. But astronomy is God's. God made the stars. And there's a message in the stars. And, and there's, there's for signs, the scripture says, and for seasons and, and for, uh, you know, for instruction. And so here's, they saw something that, that some people believe it was when Jupiter aligned with, some, with Saturn at that time. And there was something that happened that made this bright, bright light. It wasn't like we think. It was like you had to be looking for it. You had to know what to look for. And they saw it. And they knew this was it. This, cor- this corresponds with Daniel's prophecy, the time, so forth. And so they began to move and they, they began to come to, um, to Israel. Anyway, that's a whole story in itself, how they did that. But when they got there, think about this. These, the, the guys had the scripture. They had the Bible. They had the scripture, the Jews, the Pharisees. Herod called them in. Because these guys came into, into Jerusalem. Listen, this, this was, it's a, a fascinating, sorry. It's a fascinating study. <laughs> It's a fascinating study, the Magi, because it's not like three guys on three camels. We, th- you know, we think the tradition has said that. We, th- we say three camels and three wise men because of the three gifts. But the, the scripture doesn't say how many of these Magi came. Magi is the plural for, I think the word is magos or something like that, one of these astronomers. Right, the kingmaker. That's right. They were they the Persian. They were called the kingmakers because they would anoint. They weren't kings themselves, but they would anoint or they would point to the to those that they thought were the the, the ones destined to be kings. It's a, it's a fascinating story of the Magi. Okay, so here are the Magi coming in. The scripture says that all of Jerusalem was troubled when they came into town. You don't get trouble with three guys on three camels. <laughs> They came with an entourage. They came with an entourage from Persia. Gentiles coming into the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire didn't control Persia. It was like this was enemies of Rome. And they were certainly not Jews. I mean, this was unbelievable. Who is this? They got an audience with Herod. You don't get an audience with Herod just because you got three camels. You get an audience with Herod because you make an entrance. The kingmakers, the magi came in. They had seen the star. God was revealing himself to the Gentiles. And here's Israel with the scriptures. 
And they can quote what city he's going to be born in and all this. Now, think about this. Wouldn't you think there'd be one, at least one Pharisee that would say, I'm going to go along. Maybe there's something to this. I think I'll go with them. Not a single one. They had the Bible, but they were blind to the Christ of the Bible. Jesus said, you search these scriptures and you think in these scriptures you have life. But they speak of me and you won't come to me five miles down south of Jerusalem. You won't come to me. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. Now, what does this teach us about God? Well, to me, it it teaches. It's it's just it's so full. His coming into the earth, his coming into the world, is so full of of uh, of aspects of God and what's he what he's like and that kind of thing. Um, But one thing it teaches me is that. As he prophesied, as the scriptures prophesied, he came to his own people and his own received him not. You can be blinded by the words of God. This is kind of the phrase God gave me. You can be blinded by the words of God and not see the word. The word was made flesh. The author of the words came among them and they were blinded to the word because they were enamored with the words and that's, that's, what is hap- that's what happened with these guys. And so what does that mean for us? It means, saints, that you heard that, that, uh, that thing called magic eye where you, you stare at this, this picture and as you look beyond what you're, then this, this picture forms, you know, and, you, and once you see it, it's like locked in. You can you gotta look all around it like, oh, cool, look at that. That's awesome. But for a while, it takes a while for the eyes to adjust, you know, to look and for your eyes to look beyond what you're looking at because that's the magic eye is the third eyes kind of thing. Well, the scriptures are kind of like that. So many are looking at the scriptures and they're looking at it's just like a it's like chaos, like those pictures you look at for the magic eye thing. It's like chaos because they're trying to put it all together. Law and grace and balance, judgment and mercy. And, you know, it's just it's just. But as you see beyond the words to see the word, then it comes into clear focus and you see him on every page. The last chapter of the book of Luke, the scripture says that Jesus opened their understanding that, might, that they might understand the scriptures. And then he began to speak about himself. For it is written of me, he said, and Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Those are the three divisions of the entire Old Testament. The book of Moses is the first five books. The prophets has to do with the major prophets. And the Psalms is the Jewish way of putting a title on the minor prophets and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and everything else. So when he said those three divisions, he was talking about the entire Old Testament speaks of him. Awesome. But notice he had to open their understanding that they might understand the scripture. It was a supernatural unveiling of what the, the words were really trying to say. So, that's kind of the way it is with this thing with the renewal of the mind. We can be so, um, with this thing about Christ being all. It's a revelation. It's like, it's like um, I heard this, this uh, well-known speaker on TV yesterday um, 
and she had a guest speaker and they were talking and they were talking, they, they were talking about how David, they found these five, no, eight, it was eight principles that David did when he was in trouble. And they were talking about the eight principles. And then they said something about, I don't know how they got this number because I turned into the show late, but they said something about 183 the key is $183 that if you will sow into this ministry, $183. And they, and, and they were saying, you know, I feel the spirit right now. You know, it's $183 is the key. If you sow that amount into this ministry, God's going to go to work on your behalf. And God's going to, you know, and I'm going, oh, God, you know, it's like, you know, this is the key to releasing the power of God in your life is to sow $183. And, um, and I'm thinking like, you know, God planted a seed already and that seed is Christ and he has done all things and has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, the scripture says. And, and that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. You can have this, the scripture and find principles and, and things and work it and all this and miss Christ. I mean, where's the son of God in that? Where is the son of God in that? I remember I was preaching in West Palm Beach years ago, and, and I was like talking about, you know, I, I think I, was, I got on my soapbox about accountability groups because at that point years ago, that was the big thing, you know, accountability groups is the key to life. You know, if we have accountability groups, we'll all be more Christ-like, and that's the key to everything. And I'm going like, accountability groups? So what, why did Jesus even have to come? I mean, God just should have said, organize accountability groups. I mean, take the law of Moses and, and organize accountability groups and we'd all be fine. And I got, I got on this rant about this and I went, where is the son of God? But it's true. Where is the son of God and all that? Not that it's not a good thing to be accountable, but I don't even like the word accountable because the word accountable is a legal term and it's never used by the apostles to talk about relationships among believers. Never. In fact, the only time the word accountable is used by the apostles is when they say, when Paul said, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not hold accountable. <laughs> blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not hold in account for. You know, that, so it's a legal term. Accountability is a legal term. And, and so it's not about account. And, oh, yeah, and God spoke to me one, one day about that. He said, this, when this rave, it's, it's a, it was a trend. See, it's gone now. It was a trend. It was on the radio, TV. Everybody was talking about accountability groups. It was like promise keepers. It's the key. Ah. And, um, and now it's gone. It's not, no one's really talking about it much anymore because one of those trends. And the Spirit spoke to me. It was like as I was driving. And it's like the Lord said, son, it's not about accountability. It's about bearing one another's burdens. See, that's God's way. We bear one another's burdens. We're friends to each other. It's not, a matter, it's not a matter of being held accountable by your brother and sister. Do you really think that works? The flesh is very devious. The flesh will, will try to make itself look good in accountability groups even. That's not the answer. You know, that's not the answer. The answer is really being free in who we are in Christ and letting that love flow from us to others and bear one another's burdens because we all have the flesh. We all have the power of sin that works in our flesh that is working against who we really are. And we all need to be encouraging each other in the truth of who we are, speaking the truth one to another in love so that nobody gets discouraged for we faint not because we have received mercy.
No need to faint. No need to lose hope because we have received mercy. We're new in him, even though we all struggle with sin at times because of the flesh that we all have. And everybody has it. Everybody has the power of sin that's still in the flesh. But the new creation is a reality for the believer now. And so as we speak that to each other, the spirit of God, the scripture says, puts to death the deeds of the body. And we grow from faith to faith and from glory to glory as that life is manifested more and more. And we bear more and more fruit. We have this treasure in weak earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. Isn't it cool? So I just, that's the thought. I just wanted to kind of maybe in a little bit early today. I just wanted to pray about, you know, what I'm going to share out there. But I just wanted to share this, that one nugget that the main work of the renewal of the, the mind, the spirit working in our minds is to flip the switch Get us thinking, not so much on, in terms of concepts, but in terms of him. Paul says, God has sent me to preach him. Him, the Christ. When God's answer to darkness and evil is not a ten-step program or three steps to holiness or... Sowing $183 into somebody's ministry. When the answer to evil and darkness is, from God's perspective, is a revelation of his son. Awesome. Behold the lamb. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus were on the mount with Peter, John, and James. And they were doing the exact same thing that the Pharisees were doing in looking at the words and not the word within the words, the wheel within the wheel. And they said, let's make a tabernacle for Moses and for Elijah and for Jesus because he's added to Moses and Elijah. And Je- now we have Jesus. And the father spoke. Moses and Elijah disappeared. And the father spoke from the heavens and said, hear my son. You see it? And Peter got it. Peter got it. And he wrote about it later. He said, he said, we were in the mount. We heard the voice. He said, take heed. This is what I want to share out there. I hope I don't, I probably won't, I'll probably forget to share some of this out there. I don't know. But Peter said, take heed to the scriptures. I'm not saying don't read the scriptures, obviously. Take heed to the scriptures, Peter said, as a lamp that shines in a dark place. Until that lamp becomes in you a star rising in your heart. That's what Peter said. Until you see the Christ. Until you see past the words and see the word. Until you see the third eye, the magic eye, and he comes into focus. Realizing that it's God's way to not give us things or concepts, but to give us his son. Remember when Moses said, Oh Lord, show me your ways that I might know you. What did God do? The first thing he did, he goes, okay, Moses, the in answer to the response, Lord, show me your ways that I might know you. Show me your glory. That's what Moses asked for. And he says, show me your ways that I might know you. First thing God said back was this. There, Moses, is a place 
by me. And I will place you in that place inside the rock of ages, the cleft for me. Only in there, Moses, can you see me. That's my way. My way is not to give you laws and rules. That was a temporary thing to bring man to the end of himself. It's not about laws and rules. It's about giving you myself. There's a, cl- a place. And that's what Jesus did. He go, I, I said, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place that where I am, you may be also. I in you, you in me, in him. And there we see the glory of God. There we see his goodness. There we see him as he really is. And this is his ways. And so what you'll do, it'll change the way you talk. You'll talk more like, you know, like he has become my peace. You'll say things like he is my righteousness. You'll say things like greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You will talk union talk. Union talk. That's how the early church talked. They signed their letters like that. In him, in Christ, Christ in me. They saw that it wasn't a matter of them doing something. It was a matter of God who did something. And what he did was, it is, as Paul wrote, it is of God that you have been placed in Christ. You have been immersed into the spirit of God and been made to drink of the same spirit in union with him. See? It's a whole, it's a whole new way of thinking. And so, you know, then you read scriptures where Paul, where Peter, I mean, where Jesus says, you know, that they were, the Pharisees were so concerned with the law and everything. And then Jesus said, you know, we talked about this before one Sunday, you know, have you not read that the priest break the Sabbath every Sabbath in the temple, yet they are blameless because they are inside the temple? They're inside the temple? He said, truly I say to you, one greater and the temple is among you. Trying to open their minds, flip the switch to a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing. That it's not a matter of receiving instruction for me to do something. It's a matter of standing back in awe and saying, how can this be? That I would be in you and you would be in me. What a rest. And it's the wonder, it's the wonder of God's ways. And you'll minister differently to people because you, you won't be so concerned with their behavior. I mean, here's this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, you know, five husbands, five divorces, living with a man who's not her husband. And Jesus looks right past all the behavior issues. That's not the issue. The issue is, oh, woman, if you knew who I was... I would give you living water and you would never thirst again. You and I would be in union and I would be to you all you need. Awesome. It's God's way. Let the spirit flip the switch. Renewing our minds to see. For Christ has been made unto me wisdom. The person of Christ has been made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 
It's a different way of thinking. No wonder Paul said, I determined to preach Jesus and only Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I've been doing it and I'm getting in trouble wherever I go and I'm thinking it's such revelation. But everybody gets mad about it. Why is that? The natural man just does not receive and... and, and but I'm trying to show how good it is. Why does it make people mad? Because they think it's exclusive. They think that you're being... Um, that you're drawing a line. And I'm like, no, it's for everybody. Right, it is for everybody. But you have to go through Christ. And that's what they don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be narrow mm-hmm. at all, even mm-hmm. though the gate is narrow. Yep, the gate is narrow. The way is broad. The new place is broad, but the gate is narrow. There's only one way. There's no other name but his name. And he died for every man, every person. And you know what? The Lord is appearing to all kind of people. I've heard stories. You've heard stories where even a lot of Muslims are getting having dreams. And the Lord is appearing to them. And I mean, listen. Those people who say, I'm not going to believe in a God who's so exclusive, one day they're going to stand before him and see what he did to reach all these people, and they're going to be amazed. That's, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, when Peter said, what about this man? Speaking of John, what about this man? What's, and then, you know, what's going to happen to this man? And it's like people say, what about the people in Africa or whatever? You know, they haven't heard the gospel. Why are you being so exclusive? Jesus' response to Peter was, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, you leave. In other words, you're asking me that question because you have a a sense of fairness about you. You have a sense of justice about you. You have a sense of of right. What's behind that question is you're concerned about God being fair. And so what they need to realize is that 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 little sense of desire for fairness, where did it come from? It came from God. And so we can trust God to do what is right, the scripture says. So the, the, real, the real answer, the real response should be, you know, what is that to you? Follow him. Leave that to him. Because when, you, when all is said and done, you're going to see how incredibly fair he was. I have stretched out my hands all the day long, the scripture says, in ways we can't imagine God reaching for people. See? So the person who doesn't follow him because they, in their own mind, have put themselves up above God and said, I've, I'm smarter than God and there's no way, he, you know, I can't understand it, therefore it must not be true. You know, they're going to have a rude awakening when they see him as he is and see what he did behind the scenes. They're going to go, oh my God, what a fool I've been. The scripture says, if you have the power to do right and don't do it, that is sin. God has the power to do right. Will he not do right, the scripture says. We can trust him. Leave those questions to him. The scripture says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, that the, the, uh, the things that are revealed to us by God belong to us and to our children's children. But the things that are not revealed to us, the secret things belong to the Lord. Deuteronomy 29, 29. So we're not supposed to know all the answers. We just need to know him. No, he's faithful. As Jesus said to Peter, what is that to you, Peter? You simply follow me. And when you see, when, when the veil is pulled back at the end of time, and all this is laid out, you're going to say, oh my God, the half was not told of his goodness. And you'll be so glad that you trusted him. That you trusted him. And didn't let the enemy make you think, evil of God.
Awesome. So cool. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for flipping the switch in our minds that we might see your ways. Your way is to put us inside your son and your son inside of us. For he who has the son has the father and he who has the father has the son. He who has not the son has not the father. Union has come. God with us. Emmanuel. God's way. We can rest, Lord, because as he is, so are we. Jesus, thank you so much for your way is so different from our way of thinking. We are literally branches on the vine, a true vine, the true vine, joined to you. You are head, we your body. Thank you, Lord, for this awesome miracle. I pray, Lord, the Spirit will continue to renew our minds to your ways, to these heavenly thoughts. And for the Spirit is given to show us the deep things of God, the way God sees things, the way God does things. As it is said, anybody can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. Only God can count the apples in a seed. In you, you and us. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Thank you for your love, Lord. Amen.